Welcome to the Estate Professionals Mastermind Podcast, a podcasting community by estate professionals for estate professionals, where we share the ideas and the access to people that help you work less, earn more, and do good in your community. If you get value in this free content, be sure to check out our membership where you can get live classes, access to weekly coaching, free courses, discounted courses, and 300 free probate leads. To learn more about the membership, you can visit estateprofessionalsmastermind.com. Let's jump into this week's episode. Guys, this is kind of a first for me. I'm pretty excited about today's episode because not only is our guest one of the, uh, an expert in construction, something that I think we've all, we all can admit that we've had a challenge with, especially in recent years. He's also family and a dear friend of mine, a member of my investment club, um, and a frequent dinner guest, him and he and his dog, Amy, who's like a child to me too. <laughs> so I, I'm excited to have like somebody that's, that's from my, my, you know, closest circle of, of friends and family. That's also my best contractor. And what I want to talk about today is, is really, you know, leverage Ryan's experience and expertise uh, about talking about how do you achieve finding the 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 a talent when you're looking for contractors as you've probably noticed contractors are a dime a dozen in any city in 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 the country you can find easily find contractors that will lie to you show up drunk if they show up at all quit in the middle of jobs try to be spread be spread too thin because they typically they don't have a strategy they don't have systems and and they just don't have that that great of business savvy it's not saying they're not good people. They're just usually struggle at being good business people. Ryan is somebody that I've watched um, come up from not having any experience in construction to running a a you know a six a seven figure custom home uh, contracting company at a, at a major resort where he's he's doing multi million dollar projects with a small small crew. So. Uh, I want to introduce you guys to Ryan Taylor from Taylor Construction in uh, Frost, West Virginia. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks. Good to be here. So I, I gave a lot of context there, but I, 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 your your story is great. Like the way you found, you know, you came from a construction background. You're, you're, you had really great mentors and your grandfather and your father, but nobody gave you anything. So I want to start there. Like, and so the the people listening might see that you know just because somebody has a contractor's license just means they have a contractor's license is not so different than having a real estate license but what it takes to make up a a really excellent contractor and the other thing if you guys have taken my probate mastery course you've heard what it's like you've heard me teach find a contractor that can carry an invoice for at least 90 days. And then you slap a mechanics lien on the house and a 10% premium on, on the money that he had to carry. And we can, if we work with the right contractors, they become finance partners. They become, you know, they, they can really bring efficiency to our business, but they can also open up a lot more opportunities. For example, in a probate deal, if you have a contractor who's living hand to mouth that can barely pay his guys every Friday, then there's only so much you can do. If you have a guy that can float a $60,000 invoice for 90 days and the family has no cash, then you can simply come in and allow the contractor to attach 10% premiums on the invoices for carrying the invoice, protect him by recording a mechanics lien. And all of a sudden you raise the equity level for that family 
probably to the tune of, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. So the contractor can provide value to the family that makes a real life-changing result, like $10,000. And let's say there's three heirs and the improvements add 30,000 in value. That's huge to each of those three people that get an extra 10,000 they wouldn't have had they just sold the house as is where is. So it's important, I think, to understand the values of the person more than just what their professional credentials are. Having a class A contractor's license, being insured and bonded is one thing. That's a starting point. But how do you treat the people that work for you? How do you how do you live your life? How do you view time? Um, how, what is your quality control measures? Like what is, you know, what, what show me, show me a job you've done in the past. But what I, you know, where I let Ryan loose with essentially with a checkbook and gave him creative freedom beyond the scope of work that I gave him it's because I know where he came from. I know what his standards are. I know what his values are. So I want to start with your story and kind of talk about what got you into being a contractor, which I believe is very, very much responsible for your atypical result as a contractor, things that aren't necessarily even about construction. So tell us about where you came from, like your entry into construction. And then let's talk about your journey as you you had the courage to step out and then everyone told you you'd fail and you were wrong and how you grew that into one of the most respected construction company in this entire region. Right. So uh, I guess starting out, I came from pretty modest beginnings and uh, got out of school, left home, went to work on the road, hated it. Um, basically just, had enough so i i started taking my test uh, got that out of the way and just quit my job had no work lined up uh and just, note guys this was a high six figures job with an amazing benefits package yeah so i just moved back home and uh started making phone calls uh got a little bit of work lined out nothing nothing major and it, it eventually grew to where i couldn't handle it on my own and and then I took the big step of of actually hiring and took that responsibility. And I've I've went through a lot of people getting a, a good crew, but I I basically wouldn't wouldn't take anything less than than someone that was exceptional. And it's it's really worked out well. Uh, we have you know I spend zero dollars on on advertising. And it's it's all organic and, and word of mouth. And I, I would say the, the biggest contribution, you know, to getting me to that point has been real estate agents working with them. Um, that's that's where the majority of my my, my work comes from. Yeah. And but it took you had to you had the foresight to network yourself with the top real estate professionals, understanding that they had those relationships and they could the trust that you built with them, they convey to their clients. And that makes it pretty easy to land to get jobs. Right. And the one part of your story that you skipped is the the Pennsylvania house. So one night Ryan called me and he said, hey, I'm thinking about real estate. Like, what, what do you think I should do? I don't know, within two hours, you had a house under contract, I think. Like we found, I called some folks I know, found a wholesale deal 
And he, he bit that one off. Now, this is where his quality control story comes into play. I'm surprised you skipped it. So let's go back and tell your first real estate deal story. So it, it originated with him calling calling me, like somebody in his network. I happened to know somebody and that was a wholesaler in, in, in that area. And we found a house. And uh, let's talk about the lessons learned. Like, and, and this is, I think, where, like, anyway, I'll let, I'll let you tell your story. Let's, let's unpack that deal for them. Okay. So, yeah, I was working 70, 80 hours a week with, at my W-2 job at the time. And it just, I don't know, I was bored. I, I felt like I had extra time. So my girlfriend at the time, wife now, and I just got to talking, well, we should, we should flip a house. You know, people are getting rich flipping houses. And uh, didn't have a clue what we were getting into. Like, just didn't have a clue. So I called Chad, and like I say, he found me one no time. We we bought it, and then it was literally it was a huge house, like close to four thousand square feet, just an old townhouse. And um, so then it was a solid year of eleven thirty, twelve, one o'clock in the morning. You know, working working a job too, and we we get out from under this thing. A year later, with like ten thousand dollars, I was like, "That has to be the dumbest thing I've ever done." So, you know, then I started looking. All right, I, I want to build. I want to do that stuff. So I started looking at, at how it was possible, and that doing that on your own on the side, it was it was definitely tough. It it, it woke me up, and and I, I figured out a better way to do it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't scale. And just to be clear, I think your your gross gain on that was what sixty or seventy. If you want to look at it that way, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I got a point here. <laughs> like, okay, it, it what most people would say is, you know, I made sixty or seventy. I made seventy thousand dollars on that flip. Ryan is modestly saying, "Shit, I barely made ten. It was dumb. It was the dumbest thing I've ever done." And if you guys, if for anyone who's an estate professionals mastermind member, the tax workshop we did last week, we talked about why wholesaling and flipping houses are the hardest ways in real estate to build wealth, but everyone tells you they're the easiest. It's the easiest way to build income and income and wealth are two very different things. And what Ryan's saying is, is it was all the, you know, without even really factoring in the, the, the value of his time. Like so much gets eaten up in taxes and commissions and closing costs and surprises behind walls and and in and, and crawl spaces. Like you end up like what you think you make when you're flipping houses is a fraction of what you're actually making, keeping. And I learned the same lesson. Like the thing is, Ryan's way smarter than me. I was probably a dozen in before I learned my lesson. It took me filing taxes after a year of flipping houses. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I, then I was like, okay, moving on the next, like what's next. But so anyways, a lot of like, that was, you know, I think you learned a lot of valuable lessons there. Now we're just for context, before we jump into this next part, guys, we're in a County that's 975 square miles with 8,300 people. And less than half of those are, are in the workforce. So it's extremely hard to find both contractors but it's also very hard for contractors to find help because we have such a limited labor pool. A lot of young men around here will actually leave because they can take those mid to high six figure jobs 
in gas and oil, cell phones, power lines, that they're, ta- they're, they're leaving for union jobs with really good benefits. And so it's like Ryan's challenge is, is I, I would say more than almost any contractor in the country to find a talent. He's had to work a lot harder than they have. But as uh, the next thing I want to cover, Ryan, is like, what would you say is like, and, and whether it's an interview or just a conversation, you can label it what you want. But when someone is qualifying a contractor, when they've met someone that they feel good about, how, what do you think is, are, what's the critical part of the conversation? Like, what are the qualifying questions that they should should ask to reveal the things like to, to avoid the mistakes of, of hiring the wrong person. Like, what do you, what do you like when people ask you, because it gives you an opportunity to show yourself and your team and your company in its best light. Um, I, I think, I think the first and foremost is, you know, it's, it's the spotty sense of, you know, is this a good person? Does this, does this guy have my best interest at heart? Um, I think probably, I don't know, I, I like having, I like when people have the the tough conversations with me up front, you know, that's, that tells me a lot about the, the person that, that I'm getting in bed with, you know, if they, I would rather be hit hard to start with, you know, and, but mainly, you know, I look for, for someone that has their stuff together. Like, I don't, I don't want to go to work for someone who, you know, well, we, we, we might want this. We might like that. I would rather have, you know, everything laid out in front of me from the get go. That way, you know, there's there's no questions, no second guesses. It, it's easier on me to to price a job. You don't know how hard it is to price a job when someone can't make their mind up. It's it it's the little things like that. When when you take that out of the equation that, you know, that that relationship goes both ways then. Yep. And no, I mean, no different than we teach, you know, with, with attorney referrals, guys, the reason we partnered with a state exec is when we bring a referral to an attorney, like anyone who's taken the earn course, when you bring a referral, they have the de- multiple copies of the death certificate, list of assets, list of heirs, list of liabilities, addresses, phone numbers, email addresses, everything is done in there. Even if they're not using a state exec, we try to coach them, you know, to have that package ready. So when they have the initial consultation with the attorney, it makes the attorney's job so much easier. It makes them way more efficient. And ultimately that comes back toward us as positive social capital, right? Like they, 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 they appreciate that and, and reward that relationship a lot more. It's the same with contractors. And when you find a Ryan or you find a Michael Kramer, the contractor that I use for all my flips in, in the Roanoke market, like it is crucial that you you always be improving. Like we expect the contractors to always be improving. It's part of your job to always be improving to help that contractor be more more efficient to connect them with people you're connected to. To like show them systems that have helped you. If you're using a new AI tool that you think can help in their business, take a, take a two hours out of your day and sit down with them and show them. All this stuff will compound and, and, and ultimately help you help your clients and serve at a higher level. 
So it's, I think what that's the, one of the most important things that you can ever do to actually have a contractor, a really good contractor can choose his clients and to be taken really seriously. I think there, the two critical things for me was have my shit together, like be organized, have a scope of work, have that scope of work and whatever, whatever format is easiest for him to access. For example, when Ryan did this house that I'm standing in, I was off. There's no cell service here. So I had to be, you know, in where I had cell service uh, half an hour, 40 minutes away. I couldn't, he couldn't just call and ask me questions. So he had to make executive decisions literally every day. Ryan and his crew had to make decisions on my personal home on a custom build. And it wasn't exactly the simplest thing. Like we damn near customized everything in this, but we had a Google spreadsheet. And each night I would go through and make sure he hadn't made any comments. If he needed anything from me, if there was uncertainty or that evening, he would call me and we would check in on the phone, but our system, we had a system and I designed the system to, to work with him because I knew if I put it into a Google doc, it was available on his phone offline. He could share it with guys on the crew. Anyone could put notes into that. So communication was was the big thing there. Like I provided a system that allowed us to easily communicate with each other, which gave him clarity on what he what he was expected to do and where my blind spots were. And he was nice enough to not say that you damn idiot, you didn't even think about this. He would make an executive decision and do it for me. And I was fine with that because I trusted my contractor. Um, so it's, it's really critical that you, you think you realize just like with attorneys, you realize this, this guy's a small business owner. He struggles with, with the minutia, the 10 times the minutia that you do on a daily basis, more compliance and insurance. It's just, it's just, a, it's, it's a operationally heavy job. Um, so make his job as easy as you can, and he'll respect you more and he'll stick around a lot longer. Um, and I, I had the other key point there, but it was, I guess, communication and systems is one of the best, best things you can do. Um, and then, you know, one of the things I always struggled with was sharing my best contractors. I, I was careful who I would share, you know, my, my top contractor for flipping homes that, that was truly a general that could do everything. Um, when I had a, when I first got started, I had a scarcity mindset and I was like, well, I can't share him because if, if he's done three houses for them, then what's he going to be able to do for me? But what I found is ultimately when I got to more of an abundance mindset, I grew as a person, I, I would hand his number out, but he would, I would, my work was a priority. And that was my second point that I was forgetting is volume. So you, if you're not keeping the contractor busy, he's going to go to somebody who will. So if you don't have a steady flow of work, then it's partially your responsibility to give him really good referrals, like class A referrals, while you're not using him and his crew because, and, and Ryan, you can talk about this. I think one of the scariest things in the world for a contractor is knowing that 40 hours a week, you have to pay every guy on that team, whether they're swinging hammers or not. And it's, it's unfair to lay them off just because you didn't, you didn't line the work up. It's one of the most stressful things for a contractor is knowing I've got to pay my guys, whether I get paid or not, whether the business brings in revenue, they're getting paid 35, 45, $75 an hour, whether they're swinging hammers this week or taping drywall or not. So 
to really, really solidify a long-term productive relationship with a contractor, it's your job to get them work, the same quality of work, like for, for quality clients um, or quality peers. Uh, when you can't keep them busy, it's your job to, to kind of help, help them stay busy. Uh, I, I think to add to that too, um, with the, the agents that I work with, on a regular basis, you know, they'll, I will go to, they'll have a showing and I will go to that showing, meet the, meet the potential home, the homeowner, you know, they will, they'll call me and, and say, Hey, I have a showing. Can you meet me? They're a little concerned about this kitchen or they don't like the bathroom, master bath or whatever. And I'll, I usually try and time it to, to show up towards the end of their meeting. But by doing that, you know, it's, it's beneficial to the agent at the same time trying to get it across the line i i can i can sell it as is you know it's it's not that big a deal or you know sometimes it is sometimes it's a, a full remodel and you know but the the potential buyers look at that like well you know they they care about me they have me you know my best interest at heart so you know they're they're trying to help me and then they give me that work and then when i you know, if they get the sale through, then my phone's going to be the first one to ring. So I will, I will most definitely take that time to go, you know, meet with these agents and stuff. And I, I think that's, you know, I've got a lot of feedback from those four or five agents that I work with like that. And, you know, it's, it, it seems to work really well. It just adds another layer of camaraderie. Yeah. I mean, what, what we teach, one of the things that we teach in courses, like the, to your, to your point, like it's important to me that a contractor is willing to come to the site with me, even if there's not a job yet. And when you build social capital, like we're talking about with your contractor, they should be like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll meet you over there at lunch. So when you're meeting with a family that's, that's asked that, that, that doesn't have any cash, but you know, if you can do a 30,000, $40,000, you know, light rehab on a property to add a hundred thousand dollars in equity, which isn't unrealistic. I mean, that's, we've certainly seen much bigger numbers than that, but if that contractor can on short notice show up and actually come there and explain to them, Oh no, listen, well, we can do this, 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 and this, you don't have to pay for anything. Just understand. I'm just going to put a premium on the invoice that, that the estate can pay out of the equity. So is it okay with you if you, if, if, you know, there's a $4,000 premium for the $96,000 in equity that you're going to gain and the contractor can be part of that strategy conversation with the, with the estate, with the homeowner, where they not, they're really clear on what's happening, where if you're trying to do that and you don't have a background in construction and you don't know how to explain, you don't even know which of these walls is load bearing or how much it's going to cost you're, you're shooting, it's a shot in the dark, and then you have to come back for another appointment and get the contractor. So having someone who, who is, is, you know, a true partner that will actually go on appointments and be in business with you, that's, that's proven to be really, really valuable for me in my past, especially when working on, on estate deals where the family doesn't have construction experience and, and they need to hear it directly from the contractor or to trust tearing into mom's house and demoing. They want to meet this person. So that's another really good point. Like make sure you have somebody who's willing to go to the site with you, even if they haven't been paid yet. Yeah. It just, it adds another, another layer of camaraderie and, and, you know, customer 
experience is better you know that helps the the agent and then it pretty much guarantees me at least a, a chance to to bid on the job or or whatever you know if the if the deal does get done so yep now let's talk about mistakes like what are what would you say is, is the worst thing anyone can do if they're trying to you know create and you know cultivate and maintain a really good relationship working relationship with a contractor like what are some of the biggest mistakes they need to avoid um probably when you get to the level of, of rehabbing and stuff like that um you're not usually dealing with architects or engineers so much you can be uh probably listening to to structural issues like i want this wall blown out or that wall blown out and you know it, it's better to, to to give an overview of what you want to do and, and and then listen they will you know your contractor they they will tell you what what out of that they can and can't do um so to to for them to tell you no we can't take this wall out or we can't move this or that and you just blow up and go to somebody else you know it's not necessarily the best thing here here hear them out and, and see what what other options there are no nothing on change orders <laughs> or changing your mind ah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> depends on how far you get into it before they change your mind yeah right well, I'll, I'll let you close it up. Any Anything you want to add in closing? Like just anything you have to say to a, a real estate investor, real estate broker, like as you know, you, you have the opportunity as a contractor to to say anything. Like, what do you think they need to know that they might not? What What's what's the message you wish every real estate professional knew about your your role? I would I would just say mostly the, the relationships. You know, if you if you find a good contractor, keep a hold of them. And, uh, you know, it goes both ways. They, they can help yourselves as, you know, as much as you can help theirs. Um, just, just by doing those simple things, you know, you, you push people their way and they can, they can push people into your court. So if, um, if anybody wants to reach out to you, like, for example, if you would like to have your contractor talk with Ryan, so he can be, get, you can get a result more, more like Ryan's result, how, how do you, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, I have a Facebook page. It's probably the best way. Um, so we'll drop a link to his Facebook page, guys. It's Ryan Taylor, uh, Taylor Construction. And the spray foam insulation division is Thermal Insulation Pros that you can find some of his business pages and see some of the work. Um, I think you like it's it's you know world class construction coming from a very small crew in a very small town. I think Ryan's modest, but he he's had to climb mountains that your contractors probably haven't to 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 build the reputation that he has and to be able to build the products, the finished products that they turn out. They're dealing with very wealthy, sophisticated clients coming from you know hours and hours away from here in major cities into this small ski resort town and the mountains he literally and figuratively the mountain he's had to climb is a lot harder than most any contractor that that in in the country um so ryan thank you for lending your your time and expertise um you're welcome back anytime if you you guys uh drop a drop a link uh you know some comments below let me know if if there's something that 
you wish I would have asked or Ryan would have expressed, like if there's something you thought you were going to get from this and you didn't just let us know, we can, we can always do new episodes. Um, but I just wanted to give you guys, we haven't really had a, a general contractor come on to talk directly to you. I wanted to give you an opportunity to meet one of one of the most professional ones that, that I've ever worked with. So Ryan, thanks so much for lending your time and expertise and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for all the kind words. Thanks for having me.